everyone. Welcome to the Invincibly Supermassive comic book podcast of stuff. I am Tony Guerrero, editor-in-chief of ComicVine.com. And joining me is a, a guy I've known for a while at a couple different places. We have Alex Segura. So what is your new title now at Archie? Your vice president uh, of... Yeah, I, it's, I, not only is my title long, I have two of them. Uh, I'm <laughs> senior vice president of publicity and marketing for all of Archie Comics, and then I'm I'm the editor of Red Circle Comics, which is Archie's superhero imprint. So you're 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 pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty busy couple days and a couple weeks. Yeah, and and Archie, I mean, I, I have to say, Archie's been been really pushing things lately, like like push not necessarily pushing the boundaries, but I mean, and I don't I don't necessarily want to throw out like innovative, but I mean, you guys are shaking things up, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with you saying innovative. I, I think, I, I think uh, it really all comes back to story, and that's that's one of my favorite things about the company is that you know something like the death of Archie. I don't think John Goldwater, our CEO, or or Mike Pellerito, our president, would have would have said, "Yeah, do it just to do it." You know, let's just make some headlines. It, it was really they really wanted to say cap off life with Archie in a meaningful way, and they, you know, once that was settled, once we knew it was going to be a good story, then it was like, okay, how can we make a big splash? Um, but I, I, th- I think also it's, it's about changing the perception of the company because I think, you know, and myself included, I think maybe seven or eight years ago, Archie was seen as kind of this nostalgia brand, like mm. this very retro 1960s, um, Pleasantville type thing, and and I think one of John's first pl- first goals coming into to Archie was let's let's make it feel like this is happening today. You know, Archie can be Archie, and you can see how he is in stuff like Afterlife, which is a very kind of dark interpretation of Riverdale. But you know, the characters can be who they are, but just modernize where they're living. Like Riverdale should feel like an idealized version of today. And so all that, I think, coming together and you have the introduction of Kevin, which I think was really the turning point for all of this. Once Kevin came in, life with Archie, the, the, wed- the Archie wedding really kind of kicked it all off. And all those events back to back to back really got people to sit up and notice. And then you do something like just a couple days ago with the death of Archie and people are like, wow, they're, just, they're, they're not stopping. It's not a one-trick pony. And I think that's, that's, it's become a narrative almost to, to, to kind of go into publicity speak. But – we can now tell a story as opposed to saying, Oh, we did this thing. We did this thing. We did this thing, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, I think a lot of people do still kind of perceive Archie as that nostalgia, mm-hmm. you know, concept. And, and, in the, the good thing about Archie is the characters are pretty much, you know, who they always were. And, you know, you, you, you see, all, you know, other, you know, Marvel DC where characters are having to get reinvented or, you know, or rebooted or retconned or, you know, there, there was always like some sort of change, but it, it feels like Archie hasn't had to do that. I yeah. I mean, the characters are pretty iconic and, you know, there's, there's not, a, they're not really bogged down by continuity. Like if you think about it, life with Archie is really the only story where people have to go back and wonder, Oh, what happened in issue 17 or, you know, that Archie is very one and done. And and still, you get a sense of momentum. You get a sense of what has happened before, and things that happened before aren't negated. But it's really, really accessible storytelling. And there's such kind of iconic characters like Archie is. It's kind of a bumbling guy, but he's also an everyman, and it's it's really up to the writer, like which which traits you want to 
amp up and which ones you don't want to you don't want to amplify as much. I mean, having written them bef- a few times, um, it really it really depends on what your vision of Archie is. He's got so much room to play with that if you want to make him kind of a goofball, you can do that, and it's still Archie. If you want to make him like a hero, like a leader type, it's still Archie, and you see that you see that now in every interpretation. He can kind of go through any any situation. He's still himself, which is a testament to a great character. So let's talk. You, you mentioned um, kind of like bringing in today into Archie because you you did a Archie meets Kiss, which right. you know, and and that was very well received. You know, we we loved it on, on Comic Vine, and and Thank you. and you you brought you know a, a modern band, sort of. I mean, they're still kind of modern. Yeah, um, and, still <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually I, I I got I got to see them once. In, in concert it was i think it was like in 2005 and my thing was like you know i i want to see them before they have to get like hip replacements or you know anything like that and i don't know if they have but they, they I think so. yeah they still rock yeah i mean it, it was quite a performance and i mean i i was glad that i that i you know drove out to go and see him and all so. yeah that was so bizarre it was one of those things um that just I look back on it and I wonder, did that really happen to me? Like, did I really do that? And did, did I just have visuals of going, you know, I was uh, at Golden Bull signing with Dan Perrin and then Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley are there and we're signing with Gene at San Diego with Dan Perrin, who was the artist on the book. It's, it was really surreal and it, it all kind of came together in such a mundane way. I was just in John Goldwater's office and he said, hey, I, I got off the phone with Gene Simmons and he wants to do Archie Meets Kiss. And I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. And for a second, I thought, well, you know, why don't I write it? And he said, okay. And it was literally that one conversation, and it was kind of the ball began to roll. Um, and really what, you know, it's funny because some people say, well, you know, they'll take it so seriously and be like, well, the story doesn't really make sense. And so my response to that is it's not supposed to make sense. It's it's just one of those kind of fun, off-the-wall, wacky, almost Marvel-esque, like, team-ups where – two characters that were never meant to be in the same space are in the same space and you kind of have to suspend disbelief and, and roll with it. And and I hope that it came out to be a really fun adventure that, you know, for guys like us that are older and can kind of catch the uh, inside jokes and stuff like that, it, 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 uh, it works. But also for a kid who's like weird dudes with this makeup (laughs) flying on a guitar, like it it works on both levels. I think, I hope. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, and my, my daughter read it too. And, you know, she's, She's been a, a long time Archie fan, and you know she's she's still 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 digging them. So the, the, That's the big good. yeah the big question is, are we ever going to see a Archie meets Kiss sequel? You know we did talk about that a little bit. I, I mess when I got back to Archie in uh, a couple months ago. I, I messaged Dan Perrin and I said, you know we we we, we announced it. We announced that we were going to do Archie versus Kiss. Yeah, I think we have to let it breathe a little bit. I th- I think maybe we. We were gonna do it too quickly right after the first one. There's, there's, it's, it all has to come back to having a good story and a good reason to, uh, to do it. Uh, I, uh, my first question after writing the first, I can kind of explain where these guys came from. But you know, it's, it's Gene's have to gonna have to be up for it, and uh, Archie will have to be up for it. But I have an outline somewhere, so I could update it pretty quickly. That sounds good. And then, and the the other crossover, big crossover recently was was Archie and Glee. Which, right. you know, I I, th- I think it's safe to say that that would kind of appeal to slightly younger than you know the, the, the Kiss audience. You know, I'm sure there are older people that watch the show as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, how how did that come about? Like, because I, I know R- Roberto Aguirre Sacas he writes for the show, 
don't know if he still does. Yeah, he does. And it's funny because at that Golden Apple Archie Kiss signing, Roberto came by. And I, I think I had I think that's maybe the first time I met him in person. And he was so enthusiastic. And he was like, you know, can I get this signed? And everyone was so happy to see him. And, and I guess, you know, he met John Goldwater at, at New York Comic Con and they chatted for a bit. And Roberto is a huge Archie fan. Not And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm a fan in passing. Roberto knows his stuff. He's like, I thought I was a hardcore Archie guy. But you listen to Roberto talk and he knows the characters in and out. Um, and so he he got to talking to John and said, you know, I think I could make a Glee thing come together. John basically said, if you can do it, let's make it happen. And that's it, – it's funny how these stories sound like they just – are so easy, but it's it's been a really lucky couple years for the company in terms of getting these things to happen. Um, something like the Mac cosmetic deal was really they just called the office and someone was there and we were off to the races. So, uh, and Roberto after that, I think really just became such an integral part of the company that it really was a no brainer when he came aboard as CCO. So, can we expect like other uh, like crossovers? type things yeah I, I think to john's benefit he's always open to something like that he's always open to bringing our brand into play with another one as long as it's still true to the characters you know and respectful to the characters the archie characters um so th- there's stuff being discussed you know it's, it's always a possibility nothing nothing we can really announce yet and and i'm sure like you said it all all comes down to the right story yeah, exactly. If if it doesn't make sense, and if it's just you're just mashing two brands together to say you did, then there's really no point. I mean, I always thought it'd be really cool to do like an Archie Star Trek crossover, just because I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Or Archie Buffy, I think, would be really entertaining because I think those two worlds could probably link in together really easily. Yeah, I uh, I, I did um um see a, a commission that that Dan Parent did of like Archie as Star Trek characters. Yeah, I saw that too. That's really awesome. And then, we, you know, we had George Takei um, guest star in an issue of Kevin Keller. And so that was pretty close. And, and I remember when that was coming out that a lot, Paul Kaminsky, who's a Sonic and Mega Man editor and also works on some of the Red Circle stuff, um, he's a huge Star Trek fan too. So the, the idea of doing RT Star Trek is probably a top R list. I don't know if it's on the company's priority list, but it, it would be really cool. So as I imagine it, it it requires a lot of meetings and you know licensing you know sorting all the red tape. Well, I mean these things can run the run the gamut. They're either very easy in the case of Archie Kiss, Gene and John shook hands and and you know then the deal kind of came together very easily because they knew each other and, and there was some trust there. Uh, I've I've also been part of deals where it's just a lot of back and forth, a lot of kind of like legal wrangling and, and, uh, you know, both can be beneficial. Both are fine. Um, it is much easier when it's just smoother, but you know, it, it can run. It's, it's such a wide range of possibility with, with when you're crossing brands over or when it's, it's more than one company interjecting itself. And, and years ago, you know, a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me. So remember, uh, Archie and, and Punisher, Oh yeah, so awesome. Yeah, I'd love to I'd love to see that again or you know there was all, I think I'm pretty sure that at the end of Archie Punisher they teased Jughead Wolverine. <laughs> but that never came about. So, you know, if Marvel's up for it, we're up for it. And and you know, since you you know uh, you know, one or two people over at DC, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe something over there could happen. 
yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, we're always open to it. And the good thing about Archie is while we are competitive with other companies, we've always been extremely friendly to our you know, fellow companies. We've worked with IDW. We've worked with Dark Horse. Uh, DC had the Red Circle license for twice. They had Impact and Red Circle. And, you know, we did Punisher Archie with Marvel. So, you know, we're, we're always game for stuff like that. And um, I think it's really just if, if they're up for it, too. And, you know, you know, I always say this, you know, I, I bring this up from time to time on, on podcasts that Archie seems like, like, you know, they really know how to market their books. And I, I think the the big thing is the digest, you know, where you get all this material for like a low price and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're, they're at the grocery stores. I mean, I, I don't yeah, know. I, I think the reach that we have is very unique. Um, Look, we love the direct market, and we are trying to make huge inroads in the direct market because comic retailers are, you know, super important. And I think Afterlife is a great book for us in the direct market. Um, but we also have the newsstand, and we have Double Digest, which allows us to repurpose so much material. And it's every digest is somebody's first digest. That's how I got into comics, and just being in line at the grocery store, and it's like candy. You look at it and you grab it, and that was my education in comics, and then. As as things progressed, I graduated to like Spider Man and the X Men and and Batman and stuff like that. But you always have a you know a place in your heart for Archie. Um, I think where the company is kind of different now is that while we have those entry points, we now have the next steps for them too. You know, if you you're feeling a little bit older, you've kind of outgrown the classic Archie. Some people never do, which is awesome. Um, there's stuff like Afterlife, or there's Life with Archie, or there's Mega Man and Sonic, and you know hopefully the Red Circle stuff will also fill that space too. So it's all about providing opportunity for readers and being welcoming to everyone. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, the, the grocery store, I, I think that's, that's such a great spot where, you know, a parent with a fussy yeah, kid. I just think you just can't like, really, yeah, it's hard to expect someone who doesn't know what, com- who isn't a comic fan or a reader to know to com- go to a comic shop, which, you know, you always get walk-ins and stuff like that. But I think having that doorway on the newsstand is a great, great starting point for fans and then as they get into comics and get into the digest and stuff they'll they'll find shops and 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 then they're off to the races and hopefully you've got a new lifetime fan Cause, yeah because I, I think i used to um see like richie rich digests back back in the day too and you don't see those anymore yeah i'm not sure where you know uh i think he i went want bankrupt classic media has has those rights but yeah i mean for a time you know richie rich and uh Casper and those guys were competing a little bit with Archie, but Archie's been kind of holding that fort down for almost 70 years, over yeah. 70 years. So I, I, the big news, which, which you mentioned, was the, the death of Archie. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sure you heard a lot of reaction. How, how would you gauge it? Like, you know, like if, if you could give a percentage, you know, those for it, those against it? Um, You know, I what I've told anyone that I've gotten the chance to speak to that was kind of shocked or angry or not angry. I would say like confused. I would say, wait until you read the story because like I was saying earlier, the story itself is so compelling and so evocative that when you finish reading it, you're like, yeah, that is how he should die, how he would die. That is a great closing chapter to his life. And it doesn't erase anything that came before. It doesn't close any possibilities for anything else. Um, it's a fitting ending to life with Archie and it's a potential ending to the character. Um, I would say the uh, reaction has been supremely positive. I've seen, you know, 
in people inside the industry who've said, "Oh wow, great move," and like thinking it, thinking about it in the context of a comic book, and then you have like mainstream media which treats it more, you know, with a wider lens. Like this is a pop culture icon, and this is how he's going to die. And you'll get people who aren't really into what's going on with life with Archie and don't know like the uh, ins and outs of the comic. And to them, it's really shocking. So I see, I've seen a lot of surprise, a lot of like, wow, this is awesome. Archie is really daring and pushing the envelope, which is great. And then you, you know, you'll get that small percentage of people who are like, well, this is crazy. You know, I, I want nothing to do with it. But, you know, just like with Kevin Keller, the introduction of Kevin Keller, we've gotten so many new eyeballs on Archie and Archie comics that the negative has been maybe like 1%. Yeah. yeah, like I, I, I think I told you what my daughter, because I, I told her that morning, and oh, how'd she react? Was, was she's like, "That's a horrible idea." She's like, "He's a teenager." I was, I was like, "No, this isn't the you know the the future story where he you know he met, marries either Betty or Veronica." She's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't erase anything you're reading now. It doesn't erase any of the classic stuff, and you know, it's I think some of the mainstream press got it. They were like, "This is a flash forward storyline," so. Nothing is being negated, and you know while I don't think we'll revisit his future anytime soon or the life with Archie Thread anytime soon, this is just one like potential storyline for him. Yeah. So, so in other words, it's it's not like it's a a typical comic book death where you know like like a gimmick. You know, it's he's not going to come back and, right. you know, months later and suddenly revived or you know. Yeah, we're not. You know, I was joking earlier today. Like I've made this reign of the Archies joke at least a dozen times already. Like it's we're not going to come back four months later and have four different people like claiming to be Archie or have Archie like reborn. Um, this is just life with Archie's always been a very organic kind of true to life story. You know, life has its ups and downs and surprises and, and things don't always go the way you plan them. And that's really been the strong suit of life with Archie. It's not as much a humor book as the classic Archie stuff is. Um, it's much more true to life and really represents the story of a kind of 20 something year old guy who's dealing with, adulthood and and uh and the problems that come with it you know jobs marriage not not that marriage is a problem but you know like it's it's part of life and so so it's very much not like uh like superman dying or you know peter parker dying and and those are tropes of superhero comics which is great fine but i I feel like people are numb to that too Mm -hmm. like you you say oh character x is going to die in issue 350 of whatever it, it, even the media is kind of used to it. They're like, oh, he'll be back in a year or he'll be back in whatever. And I think why the Archie death resonated with people is because they know we're not going to come back right away and back to life. You know, this story is finite and it's okay. This is the end. And there'll be other versions of Archie and other kinds of stories like Afterlife with Archie or, you know, there's been other versions like Archie 3000. We've kind of run the gamut, the gauntlet with, with different ways of representing Archie. So, um, which isn't to minimize the story. This is we all went into it with the idea of how would we, sh- you know, how should Archie die? How would he die? He would die heroically. He would be saving a friend, and then his friends would celebrate him. And, and this, it was treated as the death of Archie. So I don't think the story is going to be revisited or rehashed anytime soon. And and it's funny how you mentioned like the reaction to death because even my daughter, who you know she's ten and she she rolls her eyes at the idea of of characters dying in comics. You know she. I you know I've explained to her like you know all of the past deaths so she knows that they died and somehow they come back, right? So so she's she's okay with with that. Oh good yeah she's aware of like uh, it, it it's kind of if it can be done really well like I've seen comic deaths that you're like wow that's really evocative and emotional and even even when you know that the character's going to come back like I thought 
you know, I thought the Peter Parker death was really emotional. It, it made me sad, even though I knew like eventually they're going to bring him back. But now it's more about how do you do it uniquely with that now that now that the readers have become used to the the trope. Mm-hmm. Now, and speaking of killing off characters, then we have Afterlife with Archie. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, that's that's doing amazing. I, I believe everyone yeah, seems yeah. seems to love it, and it's really doing really well for us in 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 comic shops and around. You know, it's just such a different take, but it's also like I told you, like I was saying, Roberto is such a hardcore Archie fan that it reads so true to these characters and to see them in a horror setting because it's it's a straight up horror comic. Yeah. I, I read the issues over the weekend. And uh, it's a scary book, and it's really disturbing to see Jughead as a zombie, or you know, and the death count's gotten pretty high considering we're only four issues in. Like Moose and Midge are gone, Mister Weatherby's gone, uh, Jughead's gone. Uh, it's pretty intense, and it's an ongoing book, so it's it's not ending anytime soon. Yeah, because I when I read that first issue, it, it was like a, a punch in the gut. Because yeah, and you know, because there is that nostalgia feeling. Because you know, I, I had read Archie, you know, I, I still read Archie comics. And um, you just just it, it was almost like like a sick feeling seeing these these characters that are always kind of perceived as innocent being in this horrific situation, and I think that's what really set it apart. Because because I, I you know I heard a lot of people in the beginning they're like oh it's a zombie story it's just like Walking Dead and I'm like it's absolutely not like that. And yeah, it's totally different, and I that's why I I you know Walking Dead's awesome. I, I love the comic and it's just, but they're two different kinds of zombie stories. Like, um, you know, walking dead is very much about the aftermath and the ongoing saga of being in this kind of zombie apocalypse. This is Archie. It's just, you're taking this pristine world and interjecting this horror element into it. And, and what I loved about the first issue is you read it and it just, it feels like a very modernized version of Archie. And then suddenly zombies appear. It's crazy. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, one of our, our listeners, Sam Burgess, says, having not read any Archie comics ever, will I still enjoy Afterlife with Archie? And I, I would say, yeah. I mean, there, yeah, you know, I would say yes. I think we've gotten a lot of people who, you know, weren't weren't into Archie or classic Archie and then got into Afterlife. I mean, Francesco's art, <clears throat> he captures the characters really well, but he also does it in his own way. So yeah. it seems like a totally different book. <clears throat> Yeah, and and it is a, a compelling story, and I think I, I, I mean everyone knows who who Archie and Betty and Veronica and Jug, you know, at, at least those four, they should know who they are, even if they've never read. Yeah, and I and I think the other characters explain themselves pretty easily. Uh, you know, once you you only need to read about Midge for a page or Moose for a page, and you kind of get who they are. The same with like Sabrina or Josie and the Pussycats, who haven't shown up yet, but you know, it's just it's his art style is so you know, he's just amazing. He's mm-hmm. really one of the best artists out there now. And, and Roberto's story, he nails the characters so that once you know the characters, then you can put them in any situation and they'll work really well. So Archie continues to be Archie, but he's now in this zombie reality. And there's still the triangle, the love triangle. There's still Mr. Lodge and there's still, you know, for a brief second, Mr. Weatherby. But um, it's just a really compelling book and, and you don't know what's going to happen. Like everything's up for grabs. Uh, now, what's the schedule like? Because is it is there not an issue? I think it's July or June. Right, it's not a July issue, I believe. Uh, I'd have to get back to you on the schedule. I, I think you know. I think they're trying to. They're just trying to perfect the book. It's really a strong series, and sometimes it'll take a little bit longer. Well, I also think um, 
because with with Francesco, I mean, he's he, he he. It's like he does like fifty covers a month, practically. You know, you always see him doing all these variant he's a machine. covers. Yeah, he's everywhere, and he's he's got. I'll see him. You know, he's posting. He's just such a such a workman like artist. Like he does so much stuff and so many different styles. And you know, it's he's. I wonder if he gets any sleep. Yeah, and and but, but with most comics these days, you know, especially the way like Image has been doing it lately, it, yeah. it seems like you know they'll because they don't want to have a fill-in artist or someone else. So they'll right. they'll do a story arc, take a month off, and then you know come back. Yeah, I really do appreciate the image model, especially the way Saga does it, where you'll have five or six issues, then the trade will come out on that break. So readers can, you know, either new readers can come in, buy the trade and be caught up and then go into the periodicals or or just a break for readers uh, and for the creative team to kind of get up to speed. I think people want an ongoing story from the auteurs, the authors, you know, these people that have been with it from the beginning, they, the... The fill-in is is less appealing, though I can get it for like some superhero comics. Like it's okay to have a fill-in on like Green Lantern or something because that character or those characters have been touched by so many different creators. But if it's a very if it's a property that's very close to a certain writer and artist, and and fans connect with that interpretation, that they're not they're not going to want a fill-in unless it's a very special, unique thing. You know, like a very creative one-off. You know. <laughs> now, now also. Um you know, aside from characters dying, uh, we're, we're seeing some other areas kind of being pushed some, some other boundaries, uh, like with, a um, Cheryl and her brother or, yeah. or, or Nancy and ginger. I mean, so like where, where like the decision comes like, you know, like how much is too much? Um, you know, we've made no, we, we haven't, We've always been clear that Afterlife with Archie is not an all ages book. It's it's aged up. It's it's for the a little bit older reader, uh, you know, teen plus. So I think that all that allows for different kind of storytelling. It it opens things up to be a little more mature. Um, and I'll just go back. John Goldwater said this numerous times. As long as you're being true to the characters and you're not reversing how those characters will behave, then you know I, I feel like it's not the first time people have wondered about. Cheryl and Jason's relationship. So, and and I also think you know it again. It, it shows that you know you guys are are willing to, you know, not not necessarily go out on the limb, but you know, mix things up a little bit and and you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the company's really afraid to push the envelope or to you know, uh, the ginger storyline. I think is really bold, and it's all. But it's also kind of like, why wouldn't there there be characters like that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think Riverdale's a very diverse place, and you know. Uh, and and Archie has always been about showing that diversity. So and and I love how Roberto treats stuff like you know it just the, they're just a, a couple like any other couple. Yeah. And uh, so this is an ongoing and is so like right now there's no particular end in sight. Yeah, there's no no end game. I know Roberto just from having talked to him very briefly about it has has got plans that go pretty far, and he's working on the new Sabrina book. Um, so. He's got a lot on his plate, but yeah, the afterlife is go- ongoing. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Yeah, um, and and I assume we'll we'll never see afterlife uh, like reprinted in, in the digest format. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say never, but you probably wouldn't see afterlife mixed in with like the classic stuff. Yeah, I, I think there are some. You know, some people might not be careful enough. I guess you know, and might might accidentally put it in the wrong shelf. 
Yeah, I think the digests are very much for the all ages stuff. So I, I think Afterlife is very much a direct market book. Maybe we could get like an oversized, you know, version. That's cool. Like, I, like, yeah, I mean, people are going to be so when that first collection comes out. I think that'll do really well for us. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll be hardcover. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for the hardcovers, and yeah, 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 yeah. So that that would be good. I think maybe when we have more issues, like maybe like twelve issues, yeah. To put together. Um. So. Going back uh, to to afterlife or to the death of Archie, um, there is another question from from Khaled. Um, I'm not familiar with this, but he said in 2007, Archie Comics said we do not kill our characters. Are you familiar with with that statement ever being officially or unofficially? Yeah, I saw I saw the bleeding cool item. Um, that was all I can say to that is that was a different management that was before John came in, and I think the. I can't speak for whoever was in charge for the people in charge then, but I I just know that John has no such restrictions and is much more freewheeling with with what we do and how we push the envelope and how we handle these characters. So I don't think he can be John can be held to a statement that was made by previous management. Okay. Yeah. See, I wasn't familiar with that, and and that that makes sense. It's like you know, if something happens, was said years ago, and you know things are going to change. Because didn't Mrs. Weatherby didn't someone else die? Yeah, that's the thing too. Miss uh, Mrs. Miss Weatherby died. It's funny that was one of the first Archie stories I had to publicize coming in the first time, um, and they were like, "Yeah, she's going to die in life with Archie." I'm like, uh, "That's a huge story," just because you don't hear that a lot. Archie characters dying. Um, so life with Archie has really spearheaded. Not, I guess, not the body count, but just like being very representative of life. Yeah, and 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 again, that that's a good thing, and I and. It it just it really bothers me when you know you see the the one or two comments from people who clearly aren't reading Archie, and we're you know they, they just they're not really aware of of what's going on and and how things even though Archie you know I, I to me to at its core it's, it's still the same, but it also has evolved in other ways. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if you saw this. I'm not a huge April Fool's guy, but. Um... NPR did this thing where they posted a story on Facebook and it was about how nobody reads stories and they just comment on them or, or like reading go, has gone down. And and of course, everyone commenting on the story didn't click through the story to see that it was an April Fool's joke. They just started commenting on the headline because the headline was just like, people are not reading a lot. Mm-hmm. And you'd see a lot of people commenting and saying, I read X amount of books. So it was just a funny example, a microcosm of people not you know, digesting all the information and just reacting to the big broad strokes of it. Oh, Archie's dying. This is crazy. And that's fine. That's, you know, people are going to react in a, a myriad ways. Um, but am I answering your question or have I just totally, <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I don't even remember what the question was, but I think you hit you, you are answering it, but I mean, yeah, it's, I, just, I, I think there's, you're going to get a wide range of reactions. Uh, you're going to get the people who are just, you know, knee-jerk reaction to the idea of Archie, who's a character that they hold very dear, and maybe it's just a nostalgic thing. Maybe they don't read the comics anymore, so the idea of him dying is is a really like kind of thing. And then you're going to get reactions from fans who know the book and who read Life with Archie, who are kind of like, "Oh, cool! That's kind of a neat way to end the series." Um, or, "Wow, this is really daring that they're going to do this in this book that has kind of been the flagship title for the company." So, you know, I've seen I've seen the whole range of things. Um, and I, I just think it's a really amazing pop culture moment. I, uh, as a publicist, I went in expecting it to be big, and, and I, I told people internally, I was like, "This is going to be huge." I 
this exceeded my expectations. It was really like insane. No, oh, that, that's great. That's great. I mean, I, I like yeah. to hear that. I always, I always yeah. root for Archie. And it is funny how you say when, when people don't read things, cause you know, that, that happens. Like there's so many times where I'll write a review on something and you know, you, you'll see those comments like, well, what about this? Or what happened here? And it's, it's like, it's, it's in a second sentence. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's in there. If you just got past the first paragraph and you know, it's just the way of the world. Right. I remember uh, a previous um, probably PR headache was about at DC, the one everyone misconstrued that, you know, DC is mm-hmm. anti, you know, gay marriage. And it's like, and, and I saw that like all these comments like on, on Twitter going by and I was like, where do you even get that from? You know, that that's not what, you know. What the, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That was tough. I mean, I think it's just, it's, if it's in a headline, then people are going to roll with it. And uh, as a publicist, you just have to be ready to work work on that. Uh, it's tough. It's a challenge, you know. It's especially with a story that's uh, you know, you, there are certain topics that are really hot button topics that you know um, in today's media world, like with Twitter and and Facebook, that you don't have the same moment of pause that you had maybe five years ago, where you had time to call reporters and kind of explain things. Now you're doing that. But stuff is already flying out there. Like stories are being posted, people are tweeting about things and getting retweeted, and suddenly trending, and it becomes you know it just builds momentum for better and for worse. I think in the Archie scenario, we were trending on Twitter, we were trending on Facebook, uh, we were on the evening news on CBS, which was huge. Um, so it's just the way we are, the way culture is now. It's instant. Yeah, and and you know of course there are you know some people who who try to sensationalize things you know where they'll 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 try to twist things around to mm-hmm. to get the reaction and 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 i think as you know you know we we don't really do that yeah no i, I you guys are, are really very even-handed i th- i think um you know and, and at archie what i try to do or what we try to do as a company is be very responsive be you know if they're if there are if we feel we need to clarify something we'll be very quick to go out there um you know like with the million moms thing that was uh they just went out and, and were totally opposed to the Kevin wedding and life with Archie. And then we just released a statement and said, you know, we stick by what we are doing. And that almost diffused the whole thing. <laughs> because if, you know, what they want you to get mad or they want you to not say anything. And, and I think when you stand up for yourself and just say, yeah, fine, you have, you have every right to your opinion. And we're going to print this comic that we said we were going to print. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, speaking of that, because like again with with the reviews, there's always like like you reviewed it, you know that that's not, it should have gotten to score. And it's like, oh man, that's funny you say that because like uh, in addition to publicity, I, I wrote a crime novel, and and part of that promotional stuff is I write at this crime blog every couple weeks, and my topic this week was uh was reviews and just like how authors react to reviews and. Um, I've fallen prey to this too. You, your initial reaction whenever you get a bad review is to reach out to the person and, and kind of find out why. Um, but you can't. You have to let that stuff go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you you can't convince someone that reviewed something a certain way that it's not that way because ev- it's an opinion. Everyone has one. Everyone's allowed to have one. Um, and you only really hurt yourself as an author, I think, interjecting yourself that way. Yeah, I mean, but we we get it from other readers. Like you know, they're they're telling us our yeah. our opinion is wrong. But you know, once in a while, I mean, it, it is good. Where um, 
I, I I've seen like a, a couple of my reviewers will like kind of question something or you know just you know not not a huge thing and and then the, the writer will tweet back saying oh you know it was supposed to be this and it's like ah oh, you know that makes sense and so I, I guess that that's a good thing about Twitter you know some people are accessible to. Yeah, I think that's fine. I, I, you know, if it's something factual, like if you state something factual in your review and it's not right and that has informed your opinion, then I think there's time to revise. And, you know, I think in, when it matters to the review, if it's something very like, oh, you have a typo here, I, but you see comments like that too. So, yeah. If you miss a comma here. <laughs> and then there's some people that they, they love to catch those things. It's like, thanks. It's like, yeah. I mean, all you can do and you, you nailed it, just say thank you and fix it. Yeah. Um, so speaking of your novel, so Silent City, yes, um, it, that came out with with a lot of success, a lot of yeah. a lot of praise over that. So this this was was this your first novel? Yeah, this is my first novel. It's a, it's a I'll give you the elevator pitch. It's a it's a mystery set in Miami. Um, the protagonist is this guy Pete Fernandez, who uh, who's kind of washed up. He's he's a journalist. He had this great career as a basketball reporter, you know, in New Jersey. Then his father dies suddenly, he comes back to Miami, his hometown, um, and he's kind of hit bottom. His fiance has left him. He's in a job. He's still in newspapers, but he's not like the star reporter anymore. He's a copy editor on, on the sports desk. And he's really at not doing very well. And, and the book finds him at this low point and a coworker comes up to him and says, hey, you know, you used to be this great reporter. I, I know you've got these investigative skills. Can you help me find my daughter? She's missing. And Pete kind of knew the daughter at, because she also worked at the newspaper. What he and, and she was working on a story involving this kind of urban legend, this killer called the Silent Death, who uh, was kind of a, a noted mob hitman who nobody in the city had ever figured out who he was. Um, and just coincidentally, now she's missing. So by him starting to look for her, he's dragged into the entire silent death story and he's like lost. He's way in way over his head. He obviously he's not, he's not this kind of like fedora wearing detective that knows what to do. He's, he's never fired a gun. He's, he's really like, you know, in our age group, very much a drunk and, and trying to figure out what's wrong with his own life. And so he gets pulled into this very dark story. Um, and for me, it was just about telling a story of the Miami I know and I remember as opposed to kind of the Miami Vice version that people see like the palm trees and, and umbrella drinks and things like that. It, it's, it was um, you know, a love letter to the city that I grew up in and also writing about a guy I could relate to. You know, someone – the way I describe Pete is it's, it's someone I could have seen myself going to college with or knowing as I was younger, having gone to school with or something. Someone who maybe just took a, a turn off the main expressway before I did, you know. So so, what's it like? I mean, you you spend a lot of time in, in the PR side, and then you know to to jump to the other side where you know you're the writer and you know you're you're going to the signings and readings and that. It's funny because I'm used to going to the signings and readings and just kind of standing off to the side and making sure that the event works. You know, like mm-hmm. you're you're there to help elevate the author. <clears throat> uh, so being the author and being kind of the center of attention was weird at first. I'm not. I'm not really I'm a publicist by nature but I don't I like I don't necessarily need to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can promote myself because I know how to do it, but um so it was a little off-putting, but it's also really cool because this is something I spent so much time on and to have the reception be so positive. I mean, I I had an event in in December right before New Year's in Miami 
at this huge bookstore, Books and Books, which I used to go to in college. And just the day before, the book got reviewed in the two big newspapers in Miami. So to me, that was like such a – I felt really grateful and lucky that all this was happening because it's, it, it was very really a dream come true for me to have that happen. So it's been really awesome. So you have like other other book ideas rolling around <clears throat> yeah. your head? Yeah, I've got the second book is called Down the Darkest Street. Uh, it is a sequel to Silent City. It's 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 another peep book. Um, I'm not. I don't have a set date for when that's coming out. Uh, I'm hoping sometime next year. And I'm I'm about I want to say a third into the third book, writing the third book. Nice. Um, going back to Archie, because um, Joshua Stedman says, when is New Crusaders coming back? And my daughter wants to know that, too. You know, there's no immediate plans for New Crusaders to come back. It doesn't mean that they will never come back. I think the Red Circle stuff, as I see it and as we see it as a company, is really about building up a lot of the standalone characters first, as opposed to diving back into a full team book. Um you know, I think you'll, there's characters, a lot of characters in the Red Circle library that we want to play with, like Black Hood or Hangman or The Shield or, you know, there's just so many. Web, there's, there's a wizard. Um, people forget that, that Archie has this entire catalog of superheroes. So, um, you know, New Crusaders I, I'm really fond of because when that launched, I was at Archie the first time. And that was something that, you know, Paul and Mike Pellerito and I, we all brainstormed together and, so I have a real fondness for those characters, um, but I wouldn't say that it's on the front burner. Okay, because that, that was I, I, I think someone there was some death in there, and I remember my, one of my daughters reading it. She was she was a little little shocked by that. But yeah, there, there was a character death in that last issue, and so it does. The first miniseries ends on a pretty strong cliffhanger, um, you know, and and the new stuff exists in the same world, so there's there's no. Uh, you know, there's a chance that those characters will pop up in some way. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of New Crusaders. I, I think Ian Ian Flynn and, and the artists involved did a great job. Paul Kaminsky did a great job editing. So, you know, you never know. But it's just not going to happen right away. I remember, um, I think it was maybe in the late 80s or maybe it was the 90s when DC had their impact line. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And those. was releasing, like, those characters. And, and then, that, then I... I think that might have been the first time I was really aware of them. Mm-hmm. And then when they were like at Archie and I was like, wait, those were DC characters. And I was just confused. And I looked into the history of them and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's the, you know, that's, and that's really the crux of the problem, I think, um, is that these characters have been reinterpreted so many ways that fans don't really have a definitive vision of who these are. So for a character like the Black Hood, everyone has different versions of the Black Hood that they think is cool. So our goal with these characters is with these Red Circle relaunches is to, you know, not negate anything that came before, but really do the definitive stories for these characters and have them be very creator driven comics. You know, and we have so many characters that span so many different genres, like there's no stopping us from doing a sci fi book, a crime book, a fantasy book, a you know, a straight up superhero action book. So and have them all kind of stand alone and opposed to, you know, some other, there's some other, the other model when you're launching a universe is to start with 10 books and have them all tie in together and build up into a big event. And I don't think that's the road we're going down. I think they'll be very curated, curated standalone superhero book. If they do intermingle or cross over in some way, it'll be much further down the line. And after they've defined themselves as their own characters. Is there any sort of release date for, for any of it? 
There is. I we're we're in the process of locking. I've locked down creative teams on one of the books, and I'm, I'm we're pushing forward almost there on the second book. So we'll probably have some announcements in the next few months. Okay, be looking forward to it. And I I, th- I think you've said that you know you guys aren't going to like. Here's 20 new books that you have to check out. It's just I think that you're putting way too much of a burden on your fans, like to say, hey, here's. We're going to launch, you know, the Shield, Black Hood, Comet, Jaguar all together, and then next month they're all going to be in Crusaders, and following that it's going to be the crossover with the web. You know, it's just you don't have time. And I, I honestly, looking back, I think maybe that was the problem with New Crusaders is that we all jumped, we jumped in, and everyone was there, and you had to get to know all these characters yeah. all at once. And I think maybe in retrospect that would be one thing we might have done differently, but. You know, live and learn, and and we're just not going to force people to dive in and digest eight thousand characters all at once. You know, you, you just launch a few solo books gradually, and then hopefully they will feed into the next wave. I mean, we've already have one success under our belt with the fox, which is a very unique take on that character. Um, it's really off the wall and funny, which I think will pair well with a very dark and grim book. And then you you just kind of give fans different tastes. You know, we, we're treating it almost like a cable network, like HBO or FX. Like you have four or five different shows that are different genres and have the same kind of quality and level of quality. And, you know, maybe down the road they'll cross over, but I, I'm not, I don't think we have to be beholden to that. Now, uh, before we start recording, we, we were talking about Batman Eternal. <clears throat> right. So um, speaking of burden, you know, I, some people are, are really struggling with the idea of, of a weekly Batman book, because you know they they, they want to get it, and you know some, I think the the first trade I think is coming out like December. Someone said, which oh yeah, which I, I don't know if, if that's that's official or not. I, I haven't seen that, but um, so so what were your thoughts on, on on the issue? I loved it. I mean, I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum there. If you tell me that there's going to be a weekly Batman book written by Scott Snyder and James Tinian, and you know Jason Fabok's art is amazing, I, I, you know. For me, Batman's always been my favorite character in D- in the DC pantheon. So to give me more great Batman, I, I think is is not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Especially you know Scott's built such a clear vision for not only Batman's origin, like the zero year stuff to me has been um, awesome. It's been just so much fun to dive into that, and then now to bring in the zero year Batman into the current times and kind of jump forward with Eternal, I think has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that flash forward issue. I think it was twenty eight, right? Yeah. Flash forward the break from uh, from the regular zero year stuff, and to me, that's such a great teaser of what's to come. And you know, the Catwoman as king, like this kingpin like figure, and uh, you know, uh, spoiler. It's just there's so many Easter eggs, but also it's not just fan candy. It's an awesome story. So yeah, I mean. I, I can't understand why you wouldn't want more great Batman. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, I, I think Scott said that that issue takes place like around issue thirty nine or something. like yeah, that. Yeah, that's and that's awesome because you, who knows how you know the weekly that's all that's almost towards the end of the first year, which is very cool. And it, it's also interesting because I, I think the solicits are out up through issue twelve. Mm-hmm. So it's like they and you know solicits change all the time. You know we we know you know various reasons you know out of right. necessity, but it, it's it's going to be interesting to see like how locked in they have everything and, you know, with, with so many different people working on different pieces of it. Um, yeah, I, I would believe that they will, you know, stay true to that. So it's gonna be interesting to see how it all. Unfolds. I think so. And also it's not, you know, uh, 
weeklies. I wouldn't say they're old hand for DC, but DC's done them a number of times already. So it's they've got the machine in place to do it and a great editorial staff. So you know, and and with Scott as kind of the executive producer of the whole thing, I'm sure he's got it mapped out pretty far in advance. Yeah. Now the other news that that just came out um, is Amazon acquiring Comixology. So I'm curious what your your opinion is on that. Um, well, you know, Archie, our, our, our app is powered by the, the guys at Iverse. Um, the thing with Archie, though, is that we want to be available everywhere. So, you know, we're, we're on Comixology, we're on, you know, iBooks, we're, we're pretty much all over the place. And the idea for Archie is that we don't want anyone to have a problem accessing or getting to our books. Like, not everyone has a comic shop nearby, not everyone has a newsstand, not everyone has an iPad or, you know, um... So I think it's a I think it's an interesting move. I think it's a smart move for Comixology. I'm I'm curious with these big moves how they play out. I think all the all the pundits will be out there today, kind of determining what it means. But I think it's pretty early early to well pretty early to decide what it's going to mean. Um, it's it's it'll be interesting. I I you know I, I don't want to jump the gun and say this is great or this is terrible, but you know whatever helps get more comics in front of people, I don't think is a bad thing, and whatever helps funnel money to creators and the talent that put these books together, I don't think is a bad thing. So we'll see. And hopefully this is that or helps that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I look at it. You know, I, I want to be optimistic about it and I'd like to hope that by being, you know, if, if people shopping on Amazon see a little icon or something like that and, you know, it's like, Hey, you can, you know, pick this up now and maybe, you know, they might be tempted to actually do it and, Start yeah, reading comics. that makes comics more accessible can't be bad. I mean, everyone, sh- so many people shop at Amazon. So if now Comixology will be integrated into that process, and that's me presuming, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but anything that will integrate that into that great machine can't be bad, and it'll bring more people to comics, and that's good. Yeah, and see, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and and also, I, I, I I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, I, or I'm hoping it's not going to be like a big shakeup because um, I'm a, a fan of Audible. Um, audible.com right and you know they they have a great program where you know i i do the subscription where you know you can get you know two books a month for like, like 21 dollars or something like that and uh-huh. then i i must have missed it but at some point amazon acquired them yeah yeah i didn't notice that until recently myself and it's just like you know nothing changed as as far as i was concerned you know the only thing is i could log in i think with my amazon account or or it shows up on a Amazon statement or, or you know something like that. So yeah, and what's cool is that they've also like added a, almost like a self-published author tool. Like you know, and Amazon has like Kindle Direct where you can self-publish to Kindle, or you can do Create Space, which you can have like a hard copy book, and then now you can have an audio book through Audible. It's pretty neat. Yeah. So so we just need to be positive, and and you know, I'm, I'm looking at like the comments so far on our article, and I don't think. People are are freaking out just yet. You know, yeah, I think it's just such a huge move that I I would be foolish not to take a wait and see attitude. Um, you know, we've got a great relationship with Iverse at Archie, and and they've always been so good to us. And Comicsology's been a great partner. So, you know, I think it's just business as usual. Yeah. All right. Any um. Any now with, with the the death of Archie coming out, um, mm-hmm. are you are you guys going to kind of ease back or? And like in terms of big, big news, big shocks. Uh, no, I think we've got some bigger, some big stuff coming up down the pipeline. And so what's your, um, 
your like convention schedule? You guys be at San Diego, obviously. Yeah, we'll definitely be at San Diego and New York. I think we're still figuring out the rest of the year. Um, you know, it's just those are big. We, we kind of have to be at those major shows, and, and uh, then we try to be a little more selective with, with the smaller shows. Yeah, because I, I have uh, WonderCon and C2E2 coming up back to back. Yeah, kind of bummed. I like C2E2. Yeah, I do too, and that, that's why I want to go, but it's it's just... It's, I mean, I like WonderCon too, but... It's, it's a bummer that they're back to back. That's going to... That's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's really exhausting. <laughs> I think last year, was it last year? There was one year I did those back to back and I was just fried for at least a few months later. I mean, they're, they're usually at least like a couple weeks apart. I mean, so this, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, this convention season can be pretty. All right. So um, I'll let you get going. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, and you know, for all the people who who are still in the mindset, you know, aren't reading Archie. I mean, like you said, there, there's something for everyone. There's, there's a different type of Archie that everyone can enjoy. And it's, it's not, not just the same. And, and plus, you know, then there's, there's, you know, Sonic and Mega Man and the Red yeah, and even in, And it's even, even the age, like the classic Archie is not just for kids. I mean, I'll, I'll read the classic stuff just cause there's so much artistry there. Like Dan DiCarlo is hands down one of my favorite comic book artists. Yeah. And you know, a guy like Frank Doyle, wrote such great classic Archie stories that aren't just for kids. They're written in such a way that if you're older, you get a lot more out of it. Um, so, you know, it does provide something for everyone. These are some of the most iconic characters in pop culture. I mean, everyone knows Archie. Um, so I think, you know, if you aren't reading those books, there's a, there's something there for you, and they're done by people that are telling some, some of the great stories in comics. And, and all ages doesn't have to mean just for kids. Right. It just means that anyone can read it and, which isn't and, bad. yeah and the death of archie doesn't mean that your childhood is is ruined right we're not boarding up or anything like the comics will continue to come out and archie will continue to be a teenager at the chocolate shop with betty and veronica and he'll continue to like break vases at mr lodge's house and you know hilarity will continue to ensue whatever there's someone else i want to ask you so like betty and veronica are leaving riverdale yeah, I mean they're going away on a trip, and then it's so it's gonna be kind of farewell, Betty and Veronica. But they'll be back, I think, at some point. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm I'm up on my Archie stuff. Yeah, you are. I'm impressed. So yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I read it too, and and I enjoy it. And my my daughter, and you know, I don't know if I told her that there was a Sabrina comic coming out. I don't think. Oh, well, now you have a little news bit for. Her. Yeah, that's gonna be really cool. That's Roberto's gonna be writing that, and. uh yeah, you guys have been great to us, so we're really appreciative uh, to have me as a guest, but just that you guys have been really supportive of Archie, so thanks for that. Yeah. Oh, and I guess we should mention there's a Sabrina animated series. There is, yep. Yeah, which I, th- I think it's on The Hub. Yes, it's on The Hub. So, so my, my daughter's watching it, and then there's a, a, an Archie series, I think, coming as well. There's been talk of an Archie movie, and there's even talk of an Afterlife movie, so stay tuned. There might be news on that. Archie everywhere. Yeah. We'll start having like soundtracks again or, you know. Yeah, why not? Archie is everywhere. <laughs> right. I mean, the last couple of days, I feel like he is everywhere, which is kind of cool. Yeah. All right, Alex, it was great talking to you again, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks, Tony. I'll talk to you soon. All right, and, and good luck, and hopefully all, the, all the, the dust has settled over the angry, the few angry people. Over All the positivity has kind of overwhelmed any, any uh, criticism, so I think everyone's really stoked about this story. Okay. I'm cool. looking forward Thanks, to man. seeing it. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thanks.
All right. So hopefully that has and like because and like I said, you know, I I know they always say don't read the comments, but I always see there's like some and it hasn't been. You know, I will say it hasn't been that much recently, but I remember there would always be one like who's reading Archie, and it's like a lot of people are reading Archie because if no one was reading Archie, we wouldn't have there. There's so many Archie books that come out, and and like we just said, there's something for everyone. So you definitely should check it out. Um, if if you are absolutely dead set against you know arching the gang at Riverdale and you know that that whole nostalgia thing, you definitely check out Afterlife with Archie because that will will definitely um, shock you and and captivate you. And you know it, it's not oh a zombie, it's not you know just a regular zombie book. It's not a gimmick thing. I mean it's it's great. So. Something for everyone. And if you have any young, you know, siblings or you know, nieces or nephews or anything or neighbors, pick up an Archie book and, and, you know, give it to them because it's, it's, it's a great way to introduce young readers to comics. And, you know, my, my daughter, as you guys know, you know, she loves, she loved Captain America. You know, she loves the Thor movie. You know, she, she loves all that stuff. She, she loves Archie books too. And, you know, it, there, there's nothing wrong with that. So the more people that read, more people read comics the better we all are. All right, let's do a couple questions. Um, I don't think I mentioned here, but the, the podcast studio was, they touched up the paint a little bit. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's some slight fumes. It's not that bad. I'm not like, like getting whacked out of my head or anything like that. But every once in a while, I, I, I start getting a whiff. So I probably shouldn't be in here too much, even though I've been here an hour. So who knows? I'm going to mutate into like, paint man or something all right here's a question so if you have questions um one place is the the facebook page so it's the invincibly super massive comic book podcast of stuff page or it's just um super massive podcast of stuff on on facebook it's the url so just you need to do a search you can ask questions there uh you can ask questions on twitter uh you could use a hashtag ask gman which i haven't checked to see if there's any new ones there. Um, I don't believe there are. And on the forums, there is a Ask G-Man video questions thread. So um, I'm just about caught up there. So you know, if you have questions, you want to you know let me know. Otherwise, I'll just sit here and ramble for like you know like I have been the last you know two minutes. So here is a question from Rayman3337. says, hey, I'm a huge Nightwing fan. I'm deeply mourning the fact that his series is, is being canceled. I just broke into comics last year. I'm 14. And I feel like I have not gotten enough of the book. Is there any other Dick Grayson material that you would recommend similar to the New 52 run? Um, the, the, the great thing about the Nightwing, um, the previous Nightwing series, which... I think when 150 issues or 151 issues, uh, I, I would say for the, for the most part, I mean, it was it was really solid. Um, there there is a couple story arcs that we bring up every once in a while on the podcast. There's a certain one like right around a one year later time, um, but there's some some really really cool stories. It, it started off where where Nightwing Dick Grayson wanted to wanted to to get get out of Gotham. You know, he wanted to be his own person, so he went over to Bloodhaven. Which was later destroyed, um, but that's a that's a whole other story. So you get to see Nightwing, you know, kind of protecting his own city, 
And for, for a while, he even became a police officer because he needed a day job. So, you know, you, you have all that. Um, if you pick up any, any Nightwing trades, I believe they're not all in print because there's, there's always that, that strange thing with, you know, books go out of print and it, it's hard for, you know, publishers can't keep everything in print if there's not a big demand for them. If, if the sales start to trickle off, then, you know, they're, they're not going to print more, but then eventually they bring it back. And there's also, um, with the DC app and comiXology where they, they add single issues. So you can probably find pretty much everything there. So, you know, check out some of that, that those, those older runs. And, you know, the other thing you can do also is, you know, make a thread on comic vine saying, Hey, what, what, what are the great, you know, Nightwing or Dick Grayson stories that I should read? And, you know, they can even get specific and say, you know, you should read issue 52 because this happened or anything like that. Um, Ray Mana says, also Red Hood and the Outlaws was a series that introduced me to comics. I specifically loved it because of Kenneth Roquefort's art. If you had to pick five different artists for your five favorite books, who would they be? Uh, mine would be Kenneth Roquefort, Francis Manipal, Brett Booth, Eddie Barrows, Greg Capullo. Hashtag go Canada. I don't know if Rayman's Canada, Canadian, I'm assuming. Um, and hopefully, Rayman, you heard the news that Kenneth Roquefort is going to be on Teen Titans. So Will Pfeiffer is going to be writing it. They're going to relaunch it, which, I, again, I get why they're doing it. It seems kind of silly that they said, you know, issue 30 is the last issue, and then there's going to be the annual, and that's it. Teen Titans are gone, but they'll probably be back. And, and it's, it's going to be, like, I think July is when... Teen Titans will be back with a new number one. So it kind of looks like DC may be taking Marvel's route by relaunching series because they're also relaunching Suicide Squad. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else. But at, at this point, I'm, I'm fine with the relaunches. You know, it, it seems unnecessary, especially with the new 52, where that was the whole point of relaunching the books, start over. I, I don't think there there would be a problem with you know if, if a book ends or it goes on hiatus and then just comes back and picks up with that. You know, they, they could have took a month or two off of Teen Titans and come back with issue thirty one, but you know, they wanna wanna be able to make it splashy and, and appealing to you know, jumping on point, new 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 creative team, new direction, you can read this, you don't have to worry about what happened before. So um and you know what are the I don't think there's been any 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 word but I don't recall any announcements or anything. So Nightwing, speaking of the series ending, there's there's no way it's not going to come back. The big question, obviously, is what's going to happen to Dick Grayson? You know, we have to wait whether that's in Forever Evil, the the final issue, which I think that was um, pushed back or delayed. So you know, we we have to wait and see what his fate is. Now, if you read uh, Batgirl this week or last week, um, you know that Barbara Gordon is very sad about Dick Grayson that something happened to him. My theory is, and I have absolutely no insight on this whatsoever, because Dick Grayson's identity was revealed publicly, what they're, and I, I think, I, I'm sure I've said this on the other podcast, they're probably going to quote-unquote kill Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson is going to die, but he's still going to be alive. You know, he's just going to have to kill off that persona, which is kind of silly in a way, because 
we saw like Lex Luthor, who who's this intelligent guy who probably knows a lot about the superhero community just because of his hatred for them. He was even like, who's Dick Grayson? You know, he had no idea. And, you know, he knows who Bruce Wayne is. So you would think that he should know um, about Bruce Wayne's personal life, but he had no idea. So I don't, I don't think it's, it's necessary to kill off the Dick Grayson persona. I don't want to see that. I obviously don't want to see him die at all. So if they have to kill off that persona and then have him adopt a new identity, dye his hair blonde, like, you know, people have suspected since that, that Thanksgiving image that came out, you know, that that's fine. But I imagine it, with Teen Titans coming back, with Suicide Squad coming back, we'll probably hear about Nightwing number one. And he'll be under, you know, with blonde hair, in a new city. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I didn't answer your question. Uh, top, top five different artists. This is always hard because um, you didn't mention any books. So I... I don't know. It almost looks like you're you're talking about your top favorite artist. You know, I, I love Mike Allred. Um, you know, Greg Capullo. I lo- love him. Alan Davis is one of my my favorite artists. But a lot of times, it really depends on on the book. You know, you you have to have the right. You know, you may have a favorite artist, but and while they could draw pretty much anything, there are some books that they're better suited for. So Kenneth Roquefort. Yeah, I I loved his stuff on Red Hood and the Outlaws, and I'm, you know she's gonna be great on Teen Titans. But when he was on on Superman, it, it sometimes you know I always said Superman seemed too pretty. It just it seemed a, a little weird. Um, with Red Hood, you know, he, with him and even Roy Harper, you know, they're they're sleeker characters where Superman should be not. You know, he's not this big beefy, you know, bulky tank of a guy but you know he's kind of big so you know he shouldn't Kenneth Roquefort's good at drawing like the slimmer figures the more lithe figures so um you, you really need to, to write right character on, on the right book and I'm always so thankful some you know with, with the books that we have great artists on because sometimes I'd be like I, I would hate to imagine another artist doing that book like you know going back to Afterlife with Archie you know Francesco Francavilla is such a, a great artist that you know, if, if someone else was doing that, it would just be weird. And like, if if they did that in regular Archie style, that that would just be wrong. So, I know I didn't really answer your question. Um, it it just it, there there's so many great artists out there. I, it's hard for me to narrow it down to five. And again, you know, it really depends. You know, some some artists are really better suited for for some books and some characters. Um, Wardashi says, Hey, J man, finally caught up and listened to every single supermassive comic book podcast of stuff. Not sure if, if I'll do it with the regular podcasts. There are a lot more of those and they tend to be a lot longer, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm curious with, with that. I know it's been brought up, but if like someone knew, someone just discovered us, you know, would you go back to that, that first podcast? Cause that, I don't, you know, I don't think I know. I, I don't want to go back and listen to those, those first podcasts cause I'd imagine it'd be kind of awkward, you know, hearing what I had to say back then. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm grateful if you listen and you know work your way back or you know pick a certain point and you know a lot of it depends because it even though it's not all necessarily timely, um, you know you may want to look at you know what happened with the you know when the new fifty two started. Maybe you want to go back then or, or you know maybe you don't want to go back that far. So um, I I don't know how much replay value is, especially if something's like, you know, four years old or 
I don't know how long we we started podcasting, but um, it'd be be interesting if someone, because I, I know some someone else recently said that they they went back and started listening to all and and I'm very appreciative. I'm extremely appreciative that you know for your interest and in that and and your time to go back and do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to listen to myself. I'm listening to myself right now, and and yeah. <laughs> so as for the question from Warshi. I was wondering what you thought about the new news that Powers by Bendis and Oming is finally getting a TV show. Um, just pausing right there. That's going to be great. Where she says, I'm personally happy about the news, but what concerns me is that it has currently been announced as PlayStation exclusive. I own a PlayStation, so that's great for me, but I'm worried that it poses an obstruction to some fans of the series who may not own one and do not want to buy one. Do you think the series will be more of a timed exclusive thing where the rights to the series will open up after a while and become available on other platforms or television networks? Thanks. Um, I I would wonder about that too because it, it does seem weird to limit it. I mean, obviously you have your exclusive deals, but you know you could say the same thing with like Netflix original stuff because not Netflix is, is a little more accessible than something on the PlayStation Network because. You know, for Netflix, you have an iPhone, you can you know watch something on on Netflix, or if you have an iPad, or you know, obviously if you have an internet connection. So, with that, you know, you, you are limiting your audience. But if if this gets some people like, well, I was thinking about getting a PlayStation or a PlayStation Three, you know, I might as well, and then you know I can watch it then. So so there's that incentive that will get people. To watch it, same thing. You know, people want to watch Games of Thrones, so well, I got to get HBO now. So there's that. But hopefully, they will release it. You know, not too far off. You know, there there has to be some reason to to keep you know to to give you the incentive to get it now. You know, to watch it now. Um, but hopefully, this it would show up on on Netflix later, or I imagine you know it's going to be out on Blu-ray, DVD. So. It's it's it feels like it's been so long since you know we we've, we've waited for this and and hopefully it's going to be successful. P.S. Um, from Wardashi, since they never fought in the movies, Darth Vader versus Yoda. Hmm. I it, it you know from from seeing the Yoda versus Count Dooku, which some people may dismiss that because it was in the whatever trilogy you want to call it. First, I don't even. It's not the original trilogy. The what? What is it? Is there a name for it? The prequels? Is that what people call it? I I can't even think that. It must be the, the fumes in here. Uh, but with the way Yoda was just like jumping around and all that. Now, it depends on when you're talking about. You know, if you're talking about Return of the Jet or yeah, Return of Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, Yoda was a lot older, and living on Dagobah for you know twenty years. How fit was he? You know, and and I guess I guess you don't even necessarily have to be that fit because it's all about your master mastery, mastery, your mastery of the force. So it's it's possible that Yoda could just simply, you know, s- squeeze Darth Vader like a you squeeze an empty can of soda or something. Uh, but in his day, you know, he he was all over the place and he was just crazy. So you would think if 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 Yoda is nine hundred years old and has spent a lot of that time practicing the force or learning the force, mastering the force. I would think he'd, he'd have to be able to take on Darth Vader. 
because Darth Vader, so what he, I guess he had 20 years when as Darth Vader with the dark side, you know, we know Anakin was extremely powerful. I guess that's the question is, is Anakin more powerful in the forest than Yoda because of his midichlorian counts and all this stuff. But I don't know. It, it, it'd be close. It'd be interesting. Um, what do you guys think? You know, who, who, who else, you know, we, we like, no one ever talks about star Wars on comic Con. I've talked about this for it. It bums me out. It's like, I'd, I'd talk about star Wars every day, but people want to listen about it. Darth Vader versus Yoda. Go answer. Yell at your, your listening device and post a comment later. So I'm going to go with Yoda. Unless it was a Return of Jedi when he's about to die. <laughs> It'd be like dead. Unless he's like Ghost Yoda fighting. But he's not going to be able to do anything. He can't. <laughs> you just haunt him. Ooh. Boo. <laughs> I, don't, I can't even think of anything Yoda-ish to say. All right, Victor Gray. <laughs> I think I got to end this soon. Victor Gray says, Dear G-Man, which comic book moment gave you the biggest emotion when you read it? Emotion being anything from shock to happiness to sadness. Um, so I just, you know, I, I did mention Afterlife with Archie where it, I don't know if it was necessarily like, like emotional, but it was like a, a punch in the gut because, you know, you, you see the, these characters and, you know, it's like, no, Archie and the gang, they're not supposed to have to worry about zombies. You know, they're not supposed to die and have all this bad stuff happen. But that's that's part of what makes it interesting because, one, you know, it's it's like an alternate universe timeline or whatever you want to call it. So it's not like... You know they're 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 butchering the characters that you know a lot of people hold near and dear to their hearts. Um, there was issue was it issue four, whatever issue. Um, there was a very heroic um moment. Someone close to Archie did something, and that that was powerful. But again, I wouldn't necessarily say that was the most emotional one. I always say uh, one of the first ones I remember is um, I always forget is it is it. Amazing Spider-Man. It's not 238. Maybe it was like 248. Um, it's Amazing Spider-Man. So it's it's the the, the kid who collects Spider-Man. So and you know they they adapted that story in the the 90s cartoon where you know there's this kid and he's a big Spider-Man fan and it gets sad at the end. Um, I don't know if that's the, the saddest one, but you know that that's one. And there's other ones, you know. You can even say, you know, Batman and Damien, you know, that, that was sad. And um, but as far as happiness, uh, I, I, I'm drawing a blank now. It's probably like the return of, of a, a character. I mean, seeing Moon Knight <laughs> come back, that, that was a great moment of happiness. Um, so, I don't know. What do you guys think? What comic book made you happy or sad? So put those in the comments below. You guys need to start commenting more. Because see now that I'm so like loopy, I'm gonna I'm gonna start saying it like it is. Got comment more, or I'm not gonna do these podcasts anymore. No I'm kidding. Life of vibes. This is gonna be the last question. I freaked out on the inside when you answered my last question. I sincerely see you as a celebrity uh, in a comic a comic world celebrity. Well, anyways, um, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, um, it's it's not it's not necessary, but I thank you. My question is, who's your favorite C-lister character? Mine is a cheat of sort. It's Jason, except when he was Robin. Well, okay, the, the first thing is, what, what defines a C-lister? Because, you know, that, that's, that's 
debatable, um, you know, it's open interpretation. Cause you know, I, I'm a big fan of, of Moon Knight and I have the, the feeling that a lot of people wouldn't call him an A-lister, that maybe he would be a B-lister. Um, as far as C-lister, uh, who, I mean, where, where does Speedball, and Speedball's not my favorite, but I really like Speedball. You know, where does Speedball fit in uh, on, on this level? Um, you know, I was, I was a big Nova fan as well uh, from when he was in New Warriors, even before, you know, the, I read some of the reprints, um, like his series from the 70s. Um, where where does Noah fit in? You know, he did he get elevated to B list? Because again, what defines an A list? You know, obviously Spider Man, Wolverine. You know, those, those are A listers. Um, I, I don't know, uh, but yeah, Jason when he was Robin, that's, that's an interesting choice. Uh, some of those those stories were 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 good, were interesting, but then he, it, I feel like he he kind of got shortchanged a little bit where he started acting like a jerk. And, you know, is that really his fault or, or is it, you know, the, the writers that, that did that or, you know, maybe writers weren't really sure what to do with them. So, so he did that. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, 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 it's weird that one person's favorite character, you know, to them they could be a list or, or whatever B list, but you know, someone else is like, no, that that's like a D list. So maybe D list D man, demolition man. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's, it's time to call this a show. Um, what I do want to say about the show, I think we may be kind of sort of going on a, on hiatus for a short time. At least I, I, so I, I say this, um, I, obviously as, as this goes out, we have WonderCon this weekend. Now, as you guys know, I normally record these on Thursdays. Um, this Thursday, so tomorrow when you're listening, I will be on my way to Anaheim. So I will not be able to record a podcast, most likely. Um, the following next week, when you're listening, is Chicago, C2E2. So I won't be able to record then. Now, I do have some people that I've talked to uh, about being on the show so we'll have to see if if that happens, but you know. Then I also debates like when I, when I'm sitting here for you know an hour, two hours. Yeah, you know, I could be doing other things on the site too. So I always go back and forth. You know, I love doing these. I love having the guests on. Um, but I, I guess that's where I you know I also need to hear from you guys. You know, I need to see the comments um or the likes on the Facebook page to to let me know that you guys you know, want, want this. I'm not saying I'm ending it. You know, don't, don't get me wrong there. I'm not going to end this, this show, but I, I'm wondering maybe I should do it every two weeks or once a month or cause you know, we also have the other podcast on Fridays, which is like three hours. So we'll have to see, you know, um, I, I recently wrote an editorial and off my mind and, you know, I, I love doing those, but I don't have the time to do those as much as I, I used to. So I guess that's the big question is like, where should I spend my time? Um, so let me, let me know what you guys think about that, how you feel, um, if, if it, if it matters. So like I said, I'm not going to say that absolutely not that, that we won't have one. Um, I'm hoping at least I, cause I think we, you know, we need to do the weekly podcast, um, or maybe we'll do like one of each. So like, you know, Matt and I could try to record something, 
we we may actually um, have another installment, you know, another bunker um, commentary episode. Um, I, I think because the third issue is going to be coming out. So hopefully you guys are reading the bunker. So with, with Josh with Hale Fielkov and Joe Inferno, I think Joe's going to be at WonderCon. So maybe we'll do one then. So maybe maybe we w- it won't be much of a hiatus. I I, I don't know. All I know is that I got to get out of this this room because of the paint. So thanks for listening. Um, thanks to to Alex Segura. So um, Alex, I've I've known him for years. He you know at first I knew him at DC, then he went to Archie, then he went back to DC. And now he's at at Archie. Um, so he's a great guy. Check out his stuff. Check out and and you know if if you're absolutely dead set against uh, Archie, you know maybe check out his 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 novel. So Silent City. Uh, if you want some some crime noir. Set in Miami, and it's not Miami Vice, um, but but definitely you know check out the Archie stuff. Whether it's for you or you know your sister, your your little brother, someone. There's there's great. There's a reason that these characters have lasted so long and haven't had to change as much. Because you know you you look even like Spider Man when he first started compared to who he is now. You know he's he's I'm not talking with Doc Ock. You know he's not the same character. So. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back soon. I, I have a feeling it's going to be sooner than I thought, which is good, right? So, All right, I got to get out of here. I'll talk to you guys soon. If you are at WonderCon, please be on the lookout for me and Matt and Jen. Um, Apprahamium should be there. So look for us. We will be running around doing videos, interviews, stuff like that. So it would be great to, to meet you guys, talk to you guys, and I will try to bring my buttons this time. Um, I have comic vine buttons and I'll have some stickers and probably some comics. All right. So look for us. And if, if you're not going to be at WonderCon, um, look for us at Chicago at C2E2. So we should all three be there as well. All right. Thanks. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. So, so my question, my is, question is, is, could it be? We don't know. We don't know. And I would like to ask like you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. I'll shake your head. I love Alan Davis. A John Byrne. I love Alan Davis. I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two. <laughs> <laughs>